The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. And it won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought, every wrinkle, every spot will be in view. Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe. On the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow. He can save you from the might of all your sin This is the fight in which He stands In perfect victory While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come From the coming storm While you have breath You 
have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter From the coming storm Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Never in the history of this earth has it been more difficult to convince people of truth than it is today. I come and I recognize what I'm faced with I see the pride and the absolute conviction of people across many different religious faiths that they are fine, that they are Americans, and they hold their religious faith lightly in their hands. I have many Muslims that I dearly love and try to speak with about the gospel of Jesus. They're cultural Muslims. They're not true Muslims, but they have their family heritage. They're Islamic. Do they obey the teaching of Islam? No. They don't need to. They're good to go. They're Americans. The same with Buddhists, the same with Hindus. And I shudder to say, the same with Christians. We have been so inundated in America with lying pastors, prophets, and teachers that it's almost impossible to teach a straight gospel and have anyone really want to hear it or listen to it. They have come, these false teachers, teaching that God has unconditional love for you and would never cast you into hell. They come teaching that if you just confess the name of Jesus, You're saved, and you cannot be lost. You have eternal security. You have a a free ticket because all of your past, present, and future sins have been forgiven. And then on top of all of that is the modernity of our culture 
all the technology, all of the distractions, all of the self-affirmations. Sometimes people will send me a text and I shake my head and I say, this person has no eyes to see and no ears to hear. They have no comprehension, but they believe with every bone of their body that they are saved, that they are on their way to heaven. They are utterly deceived. I even have some who say, Pastor, I'm not walking in any known rebellion against God. But they treat people like hell. They don't understand the gospel. There's nothing so ugly as a person who believes a lie. And it is time to wake up. I'm going to share with you parts today of a sermon preached by Jonathan Edwards entitled Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. It was first preached in Enfield, Connecticut on July 8, 1741. Now, the difficulty with this sermon, well, let me read just one part very quickly. In this verse, Deuteronomy 32, verse 35, their foot shall slide in due time. In this verse is threatened the vengeance of God on the wicked and unbelieving Israelites. Well, as soon as, as soon as I read that, American Christians tune out and say, well, I'm not a part of the wicked, unbelieving Israelites. I'm good to go. I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. I'm on my way to heaven. All of my sins are forgiven. I'm loved. I'm cherished. I'm someone special. I'm entitled because I'm an American Christian. So it makes it almost impossible because... American Christians identify themselves as being righteous. Because when God looks at at me, he doesn't look at me. He sees Jesus. And so I'm good to go. As I began to be taught this in my theological training, my dad, who was a a countryman, a a farmer man, not sophisticated. He said to me, Ray, are you trying to tell me that Jesus has a robe that's clean and pure, and he wants to come and put that robe over my dirty overhauls and over my dirt from where I've been out working in the garden? You mean he doesn't want me to get cleaned up. He just will wrap that robe around me, and then I'm good to go to heaven. I said, that doesn't sound right, does it, Dad? No, it doesn't, Ray. In fact, he said, I can tell you, Jesus will never wrap his white robe 
around a dirty man. But the American church believes that they're good to go, even though they know they're walking in all kinds of rebellion, pride, arrogance, hardness of heart, being totally consumed with money and their lifestyle of vacations and entertainment. They think they're good to go. You may be one of those. Chances are, most who listen to this broadcast, in spite of having listened, you've rejected. And this broadcast has then caused you to be even more hardened. It's done you much more harm than good. I'm very, very concerned about this. I don't want to come and preach and have it harden your heart. So I'm going to share with you a portion. I'm going to read for you some of the application of his message. The use may be of awakening to unconverted persons in this congregation. Now, Jonathan Edwards struggled with his grandpa's church because his grandpa had invited the half-converted to be a part of the church. That is, they had an outward righteousness, but they were not sold out to Jesus. And he's speaking about these people who regularly are in church, but they are unconverted. They're filled with pride and arrogance, and they love the things of the culture and the world, the flesh, the devil. Many of you who who come and listen to this broadcast, you're still involved in alcoholism or or drugs. You're still involved in pornography. You're still involved in in a lust for money. You, You still don't trust Jesus. You've never been broken. There's nothing so ugly to my heart than a man who claims to be a Christian who's never been broken, who is still full of himself, full of pride, arrogance, hardness. It's such an ugly thing. And yet, because of what we've been taught, it's almost impossible for us to come and lay aside what we've been taught, that we're saved and we're good to go, no matter what our condition, because Jesus has us. He says, the use may be of awakening to unconverted persons in this congregation. This that you have heard is the case of every one of you that are out of Christ. That world of misery that lake of burning brimstone is extended abroad under you. There is a dreadful pit of the glowing flames of the wrath of God. There is hell's wide, gaping mouth open, and you have nothing to stand upon, nor anything to take hold of. There's nothing between you and hell but the air. Tis only the power and mere pleasure of God that holds you up. But you don't believe that. You don't believe that. You believe that your theological correctness will carry you through. 
You believe that God's unconditional love will carry you through, that somehow you're good to go. He continues, You are probably are not sensible to this. You find you are kept out of hell, but don't see the hand of God in it. You look at other things as the good state of your bodily constitution, your care of your own life, the means you use for your own preservation, but instead these things are nothing if God should withdraw his hand. They would avail no more to keep you from falling into the thin air to hold up a person that is suspended in it. Your wickedness makes you as if you were heavy as lead and to tend downwards with great weight and pressure towards hell. And if God should let you go, you would immediately sink and swiftly descend and plunge into the bottomless gulf and your healthy constitution, your own care and prudence, your best convenience. All your righteousness would have no more influence to uphold you and keep you out of hell than a spider's web should have to stop a falling rock. We're not so. If it were not of the sovereign pleasure of God, the earth would not bear you one moment longer. For you are a burden to it. The creation groans with you. The creature is made subject to the bondage of your corruption. Not willingly, the sun doesn't willingly shine upon you to give you light to serve sin and Satan. The earth doesn't willingly yield its increase to satisfy your lust nor is it willingly a stage for your wickedness to be acted out upon. The air doesn't willingly serve you for breath to maintain the flame of life in your vitals while you spend your life in the service of God's enemies. God's creatures are good. They were made for men to serve God with and and doesn't willingly subserve itself to any other purpose. In the end, the world will spew you out were it not for the sovereign hand of God who has subjected it in hope. There are the black clouds of God's wrath now hanging directly over your heads, full of the dreadful storm and big with thunder. And were it not for the restraining hand of God, it would immediately burst forth upon you. The sovereign pleasure of God for the present stays his rough wind. Otherwise, it would come with fury and your destruction would come like a whirlwind. And you would be like chaff on the summer threshing floor. The wrath of God is like great waters that are damned for the present. They increase more and more and rise higher and higher till an outlet is given. And the longer the stream is stopped, the more rapid and mighty in its course when it is finally let loose. Tis true that judgment against your evil work has not been executed. The floods of God's vengeance have been withheld, but your guilt in the meantime, is consistently increasing, and you are every day treasuring up more wrath. The waters are continually rising and waxing more and more mighty. There is nothing but the mere pleasure of God that holds the waters back. 
that are unwilling to be stopped and press hard to go forward. If God should only withdraw his hand from the floodgate, it would immediately fly open and the fiery floods of the fierceness and wrath of God would rush forth with inconceivable fury and would come upon you with omnipotent power. And if your strength were 10,000 times stronger than it is, yea, 10,000 times 10,000 than the strength of the stoutest, sturdiest devil in hell. Could not withstand or endure the wrath of God. The bow of God's wrath is bent, and the arrow made ready on the string, and justice bends the arrow at your heart and strains the bow, and it is nothing but the mere pleasure of God that an angry God, without any obligation at all would keep the arrow from drinking your blood. Thus are all of you that have never passed under a great change of heart by the mighty power of the Spirit of God upon your souls, all that were never born again, never made new creatures, never raised from being dead in the sin in a state of new and beforehand, altogether light and life. What will stay the hand of an angry God? It is simply the pleasure of God to give you a moment more of time. However unconvinced you may now be of the truth of what you hear, by and by you will be fully convinced of it. Those that have gone from being in this like circumstance with you and see that it was so with them, for destruction came suddenly upon most of them, and when they expected nothing of it, and while they were saying peace and safety, now they see that those things that they depended on for peace and safety were nothing but thin air and empty shadows. That God holds you over the pit of hell, much as one holds a spider of some loathsome insect over the fire, abhors you, and is dreadfully angry. His wrath towards you burns like fire. He looks upon you as worthy of nothing else but to be cast into the fire. He is of pure eyes than to bear to have you in his sight. You are ten thousand times so abominable to his eyes as the most hateful and poisonous serpent is to ours. You have offended him infinitely more than even a stubborn rebel did his prince. And yet it is nothing but God's hand that holds you from falling into the fire every moment. Tis ascribed to nothing else that you did not to go to hell last night, that you suffered to awake again in this world after you closed your eyes to sleep, and there's no other reason to be given why you have not stopped and dropped into hell since you arose in the morning, but that God's hand was held up for you 
There's no other reason to be given why he hasn't, why you have not gone to hell since you have sat here in the house of God, provoking his pure eyes by your sinful, wicked manner of attending solemn worship. Oh, sinner, consider the fearful danger you are in. Tis a great furnace of wrath, a wide and bottomless pit, full of the fire of wrath that you are held over in the hand of that God whose wrath is provoked and insist, incensed as much as against you as against the damned in hell. You hang by a slender thread. Don't put your trust. Can I just stop a moment? Don't put your trust in some wicked preacher's words that you don't have anything to worry about, that you are on your way to heaven in spite of the lust of your heart, in spite of your pride and hardness. It's time to wake up. The title of this broadcast is Wake Up! Wake Up! Wake Up! Don't be satisfied with some shallow expression of your Christian faith where you'll spend a few minutes looking at somebody's book about some morning devotion. How utterly foolish of you. You better get into the presence of God and hear what he thinks about you. And consider that he has held you from hell. He has not dropped you, even though you deserve being dropped. But you have believed these false prophets. He continues. How dreadful in the state of those that are daily and hourly in danger of this great wrath and infinite misery. But this is the dismal case of every soul in this congregation that has not been born again. Don't fool yourself that you've been born again when you still walk in the ways of this world and you still lust after the things of darkness. Doesn't matter how moral and strict and sober and religious that you may be, oh, that you would consider it, whether you to be young or old, there is a reason to think that there are many in this congregation now hearing this message that will actually be the subject of this very misery for eternity. We don't know who you are or where you sit or what thoughts you now have. It may be that they are now at ease and hear all these things without much disturbance and are now flattering yourself that they're not the person that Pastor Ray's talking about, promising yourself that you shall escape. If we knew that there was one person, but one in the whole congregation that was to be the subject of this misery of hell, what an awful thing it would be to think of. If we knew who it was, what an awful sight would it be to see such a person. How might all the rest of the congregation lift up a 
a lamentable and bitter cry over him. But also, instead of one, how many is it likely will remember this discourse of hell? And it would be a wonder if some that are now present should not be in hell in a very short time before this year is out. And it would be no wonder if some person that now sits here in some seats in this meeting house in health and quiet and secure should be there before tomorrow morning. Those of you that finally continue in a natural condition that you'll keep out of hell longest, there will be little time for you. Your damnation doesn't slumber. It will come upon you swiftly. And in all probability, very suddenly, many of you, you have reason to wonder what you are, that you are now already not in hell. Tis doubtless the case of some that heretofore have seen and known that never deserved hell more than you do, and, and heretofore appeared as likely to have been now alive as you. Their case is past all hope. They are crying in extreme misery and perfect despair. But here you are, in the land of the living, in the house of God. You have opportunity to obtain salvation. What would not those poor, damned, hopeless souls give for one day's such opportunity as you now enjoy? And now you have an extraordinary opportunity. A day wherein Christ has flung the door of mercy wide open and stands in the door calling and crying with a loud voice to poor sinners. A day wherein many are flocking to him and pressing into the kingdom of God. Many are daily coming from the east, west, north, and south. Many that are very likely in the same miserable condition that you are in now. They're in a happy state. Their hearts are filled with love to him. How awful it is to be left behind. Oh, my brother, my sister. All I can say today is wake up. Fly from the wrath that's to come. It's very difficult to preach this way because we've been taught by false teachers to excuse ourselves and to claim, oh, we're good to go. Are you really? I know very, very few people I would consider to be saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. Almost everyone I know is bitterly lost through deception lies they believed. They've never taken the time to get before God and humble their hearts and ask the Holy Spirit to show them their true condition of pride and self-sufficiency and hardness of heart. Such casualness in the body of Christ today. Such pleasing pastors in the body of Christ today, who will tell you a, a pleasant little story and 
and cause you to cry a little tear, who will entertain you with jokes. But where are the pastors who will tell you the truth? That God does not unconditionally love you, that you are, if a sinner, headed for hell. The Apostle Paul says, if you want to be saved, you must turn from all wickedness. I'm going to read for you Second Peter, the second chapter. But there are false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. What's he mean? They're going to come and teach you that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot wash away all of your sins, that the blood of Jesus Christ has no power to remove the old man of sin from your life, that you're always going to be a sinner. They're lying. They bring upon themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their shameful ways and bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they've made up. The gospel of Jesus Christ in America is in disrepute. It is scorned. Why? Because it's no longer a gospel of righteousness. This precious Presbyterian pastor, Jonathan Edwards, when he preached this sermon to his congregation, they yawned at him. But when he went to another congregation and preached there the same message, the convicting power of God was so great upon them that they felt the whole church was beginning to tip and that they were going to fall into hell. And the first great awakening came to America that prepared the American population to fight against the British and to free us from tyranny. Now today we've accepted tyranny again. I don't want to take time to talk about what we must do if we're going to free ourselves from that government tyranny. What I do want to say is that it begins with your heart getting right before Almighty God. It begins with you recognizing the false teachings that you have received and identifying the false prophets that you have listened to. and that you identify the destructive heresies that deny the Sovereign Lord. It makes me angry when I pass by a church and see a rainbow flag flying in front. I know what that rainbow flag means in today's culture, but they have appropriated it from God himself who gave that rainbow in the sky as an assurance that he would not destroy this earth again by water. 
but they have prostituted it. And now we must be tolerant of wickedness. We must love everybody. God has unconditional love. And so every heresy has been brought, every blasphemy has been brought into the American Christian church until it has become a place of death and dying and men and women being hell-bound who believed they were saved but were deceived. Many will follow. This is Second Peter 2, verse 2. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they've made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. Oh, pastor, don't talk about our pastors this way. Peter talked about them this way in the early New Testament church. He said their condemnation has been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping because of the lies they've taught their people. You know the dangerous thing about deception? Is that you can be deceived and never know you're deceived. Because you never bothered to search out the truth and lay aside your television and lay aside your internet and lay aside your cell phone, lay aside your entertainment and seek after Jesus with all of your heart and let him break your heart and open your mind. Verse 4, for God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on it, on its ungodly people, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from their trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desires of the sinful nature and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, these men are not afraid to slander celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not bring slanderous accusations against such beings in the presence of the Lord. But these men blaspheme in matters they don't understand. They're like brute beasts, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed like beasts. They too will perish. He's speaking here about pastors. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. What does carouse mean? Loud parties, laughing and joking. 
They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasure while they feast with you, with eyes full of adultery. They never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable who are experts in greed, an accused brood. They're pastors who are homosexual, secretly grooming young people in their church to satisfy their sexual lust. We live in such a wicked time. And the pride is so great. The pride that we're somebody and we're something and we're, we're invincible and the world must bow at our feet and, and Russia and China can never attack America. I'm telling you right up front, the scriptures tell us that America will be utterly destroyed and burned uninhabitable because of the destruction that is going to be sent by God. America is on the descent. Russia is on the ascent. I hear these lying people who say, oh, Russia doesn't have the weapons to take Ukraine. Are you kidding me? We're going into World War III, and America will be destroyed. It'll be burned. You need to get right with Jesus. Verse 15, they have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor. What was his way? He lusted after money and he would compromise anything if you would pay him. He loved the wages of wickedness, but he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, a beast without speech, who spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Oh, Lord, would you restrain the prophet's madness in America who are teaching that everything's going to be fine and prosperity is coming and God's going to do these wonderful things for America that God's not finished with America yet. Oh, yes, he is. America's cup of iniquity is rapidly going to overflow. And we will be, as a nation, destroyed. These men are springs without water, mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty, boastful words. And by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have ever known the way of righteousness than to have known it, and then to turn their backs on the sacred command 
that was passed on to them. Of them the proverbs are true. A dog returns to his vomit, and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. You've heard these words. You've heard this message. Now what are you going to do? If you just blow it off, it would be better that you had not even heard this message. Because your heart will only grow more and more hard. What will it take to wake you up? What will it take for you to stop your busy schedule and get before God and humble your heart and seek his face and obey his commands? I know that The cry of my heart is for revival, but I know no revival will come to America until a remnant of God's people make the decision that they will sacrifice their time, energy, and money to come together as one and cry out to God and ask him to please bring revival. We're going to have to humble our hearts and seek his face. And pray. Will you do that? Whatever it costs you? Will you humble your heart? Has this message been of value to you? Or will you blow it off? And say, Pastor, come on. I'm not that bad. I'm trying. I'm doing my best. That won't get it done. To be born from above is a supernatural work of grace that only God himself, by the Holy Spirit, can do in you. I'm going to go back and I'm going to read for you passage of scripture that you're very familiar with if you've listened to this broadcast, but please hear it as for the first time. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Absolutely no. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we certainly also will be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self, that is the carnal nature coming from Adam, that old carnal self was crucified with him so that the body of sin, that old carnal nature, might be done away with. And in the Greek, it is literally might be annihilated, might be utterly destroyed, that we can live a new life in Christ. 
that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body as sin to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you're not under law but under grace. There's only one way to deal with sin, and that is to die to it. You can't overcome a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. No, you have to die to it. You have to be crucified with Christ. So today, are you crucified with Christ? Are you angry because of this broadcast? Have you already turned away, turned it off, and then came back to see what else I'd say? My brother, my sister, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Again, I shared the sermon. Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. If you've not ever read it, please go to the internet and read it in its entirety. It's by Jonathan Edwards. I'm eager that you should know what it says. I'd love to hear from you. We don't have the money in place yet to pay for this month's radio. I want to thank those of you who have been writing and giving. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Thank you for standing with me. Write to me, Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. It's Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That zip again, 22195. You're also welcome to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. And you're welcome to come and worship with the National Prayer Chapel. If you're serious about Jesus and you're ready to lay your life down, you're ready to get right. You know you need to pray through for victory. You're welcome to come. Go to our webpage and there you'll find directions. We're a small house church. Many are not yet ready to submit to the Lord. If you are, we're praying that you will come. 
Some people come from Frederick, Maryland. Some people come from Springfield. People come from all over. Some people come from Manassas. Warrington. No, I'm sorry, Reston. Will you come? Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you'll find the directions for how to come. I look forward to hearing from you. God bless you, my brother and my sister. It's time to wake up. I have no pleasant words for you today. I only have a startling word from the Holy Spirit. This message did not come from me. It is straight from the heart of God. And his wrath is growing against America and the American church. And he will soon pour that wrath out. Wake up. Get right with Jesus. I love you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon. Present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. With great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.